Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, great to have your company wherever you may be listening around this state of Western Australia. Peter Vlahos with you on Drive. And, of course, tomorrow night we'll have all the four preliminary finals teams. Kim Hagdon will join us in the studio to digest all the news during the week and also to analyse and preview those two preliminary finals, one on Friday night and, of course, one mid-afternoon our time. Around about 2.45 it gets underway, the second one from Sydney between Sydney and Collingwood. A lot has been written and spoken about the fact that the trade period starts on October the 3rd and already there's been players like Willie uh, Junior Rioli, uh, like the likes of Luke Jackson and others that are requesting trades from their existing clubs to other clubs and we're waiting for more to drop even today. Of course, uh, Saint star Ben Long officially told the club he wants out and he wants to be traded to the Gold Coast Suns. So I thought I'd get behind the dynamics of a player manager in this part of a football season. It's certainly a lot of speculation and and tell you what, there's more written about player movement sometimes at this stage of the year than the games itself. A man that was an inaugural West Coast Eagles squad member, played over 50 games for the Eagles, of course, played with the Brisbane Bears for a couple of seasons as well, and uh, an East Perth uh, captain, uh, of course, in the WAFL in the late 1990s is Paul Pios, now a player manager. He joins us on the program. Paul, thanks for your time. Nice to be with you, Pete. Yeah, I know I've got you in the car and you're commuting, so we appreciate your time. Uh, I know you've got some family commitments tonight, so again, thanks for spending a couple of moments with us. The role of a player manager, of which you at the moment act on behalf of a, a band of players that you look after, has become a growing profession inside the AFL system in recent times? Um, the agent industry specifically? Yeah, yes. Unbelievably, it, it has. It's still a very young, formative industry in, in my view. You know, going back as a, as a player at the time that I finished as an AFL player, there was probably only just a touch of um, some of the... Um, some of the players getting some external advice to come in and help through those contract negotiations as as things um, went along the line. But once the CBA started kicking in, the AFL competition itself um, and the income came up, that industry um, has grown. I think they're I'm not exactly sure. We've got the AFLPA conference next week, but I, I think they're up to 90 to 100 agents in Australia. Um, for AFL men's and women's. Might even be more than that now, I think, with the women's. That's amazing. Uh, So when you left from West Coast at the end of that premiership season in 92 and went to the Brisbane Bears in 1993, who orchestrated that move for you? Um, That was sort of generated a little bit 
by club, but, but a lot of the circumstances are, are pretty similar as they exist today, but just without the uh, the manager as a third party standing in between. I think Brisbane um, saw that Eagles had a pretty good year, had good depth, and um, I sort of played half the year. And um, so I think they'd sort of approached through Eagles, but got to me directly. Scott Clayton, funnily enough, was the... Um, um, was the football manager at that period of time. So we had a meeting, a discussion about it. Um, and there was follow-up discussions with uh, Trevor at the Eagles at that point in time. And I, I had an option to continue. Um, but I was really looking to see if I could play more footy. Uh, I knew yeah. I had limited time. Uh, I had a chat with you earlier in the day, and I was quite surprised when you said, uh, particularly in the case of Rory Lobb from uh, the Fremantle Dockers, you know, we've been talking about the fact that he's been wanting to supposedly get out of Fremantle and head to the Western Bulldogs, where he's been offered a four-year deal. And you said to me, it's not out of uh, order for players, maybe through managers, to be contacted by other clubs while they're still on contract with their existing club. Yeah, very much so. I think that's that's an area where a manager probably plays a, a key part of the role in that um, without clubs being highly distractive, I would think, and going knocking on another, uh, another club's player's door um, unannounced or otherwise, um, there's, a, there's a contact person that you can express an interest that... Um, um, you might be interested in seeing what the likelihood is the player sort of moving and what his contract terms is. Is he happy? Um, how's it all transpiring? And we think there might be somewhere for you to come in and play a role in us going forward. So, the, And those conversations sort of happen a bit, really, sort of almost ongoing. So you would go or a manager would go to a player and say, in June, July, hypothetically, and say, Mate, I've got a very good deal for you at another club for next year. They will pay you exponentially more and they'll give you a longer-term contract. So you would have a conversation. I'm not saying you personally, but a manager would have a conversation with the player maybe in the middle of the season when he's trying to focus on a week-to-week situation and do his best for his existing club, knowing deep down inside there's a chance that he could be leaving. Well, look. I think a very good manager needs to be really transparent about uh, um, how how that comes through. But you are right, it, it's a challenge, particularly for a young player. I've been in these situations before when um, something is presented to you when, and really you've got an obligation to keep your client fully informed. Um, and I think you assess that at that's not a time to be making decisions, and that's what I reiterate to my players. You you know that as as being lodged, you're contracted to where you are existing. Your performance is your is your currency, so you concentrate on your performance and some of the things. I I can have some follow up conversations and get a bit more detail about what's happening through, and we'll reconvene later in the year when. Um, um, you get to that point, but generally you got to keep them informed. But I think good professional players can work through that. Yeah, now. It's, well, and it's I, interesting I, also, uh, Paul, looking at Luke Jackson's form, which I reckon tapered off in the 
second half of the season. But saying that, Melbourne's uh, season tapered off as well. But I'm just wondering how much it played on his mind. He's only a 20-year-old. He's going to be 21 shortly. But he's only a 20-year-old. And they're talking about millions of dollars, $900,000 a year, seven years maybe at Fremantle. Surely a 20-year-old isn't mature enough, regardless of how good he is, to handle that sort of speculation and take it on the chin and focus on what he needs to do. I agree with you absolutely, completely. And I've I've seen it right at the coalface often. I think eventually um, that sort of projection pressure and you're particularly right about a young player when when that comes into bear over a consistent period of time and and it's not about making decisions but you're you made in Luke's situation I don't know anything about it but if you you've sort of made up your own mind about where you're going but you then still want to perform the best you can through to your to your last game um it can be really draining and you've got all that external pressure you open a paper you're there your teammates are, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, you're gone or you're here. And, you know, it's just, I think he's done well to, to really stand up and continue to play and work mm. into the final. I mean, he has high expectations on him, but he's, a, he's an excellent young player. You mentioned transparency there. And let me throw you this. Uh, and I've thrown it up a couple of times. You know, the rugby league system in the NRL, players declare once a deal is done, to leave an existing club and go to another club the following season but still play, yet the information comes out that the contract is signed mid-season. What's your thoughts on the way it works in the NRL and could it work in the AFL? After all, they're both professional sets of sports people playing a football code. Well, I follow follow the NRL very closely and uh, got deep amongst it when uh, I was a Queensland AFL footballer. Um, but that they be very mature. I, I call it mature. But the the players moving between clubs just has has been different in the NRL to um, to these factors that have tended to overweigh in the in the AFL about loyalties. And but uh, I, I think it's dissipating. And um, I, I, I sense in the future. Um, the way things are transpiring with contracts and discussions, and like I said, the discussions are getting are getting had, and I think that uh, um, there's a lot of time that gets talked about whether someone goes and whether someone goes. There's almost a commonality about what happens about how you get through that, mm, and um, mm, mm. but I think the decision of saying, you know, as a young player, I think the decision of saying I'm going. Um, is uh, is a challenging one, and then you've got to deal with everything that comes with that along the way. And the other part being is that it might make indications, but there's so many things that can happen in half a year of footy as well that might not end up happening. Yeah, fair call. Finally, Paul, I'll let you get back to your personal commitments. Is Okay, in the case of Rory Lobb, uh, reportedly his family or his partner's family live in Melbourne and he wants to go and live in Melbourne with her and uh, her parents and all that, which is fair enough. But normally a player will move for one major reason and that is the financial remuneration that they will get from another club. Is that basically the crux of everything? Because loyalty's out the window now, isn't it? It's more about the financial gain and the stability a player can get with a long-term contract? Because we've seen seven-year contracts uh, become more frequent these days. Um, 
you know, I don't think it's all about financial, just financial. I, I think I think there's a bit of a, a, a lot around tenure. Um, you know, if player somewhere has got a one or two contract and it's not not fit, feels like is in the key part of that element, and someone else sees you as being longer and tenure, they get less money and longer career to keep flying your trade. But there's also a lot about. I, I think young players haven't changed too much from the AFL from the whole time I've come through from from a young bloke is that most players want to be in a team that's going to have success. And yeah, you know, and you've got to you've got to negotiate your financial way in and around around being able to do that. And I think you see some of the best teams and the teams that win, everybody compromises a little bit financially um, to try and be in that team that's going to um, going to win. Yeah, fair call. Um, Good on you, Paul. Thanks for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it, and give us an insight on how the player manager works at this time of every. AFL footy season with, uh, of course, the uh, trade period and then the draft not too far away. Thanks for your time. We'll talk again soon. Good to chat, Pete. Good on you. Paul Pios, player manager, former West Coast Eagle and Brisbane player as well. It was a fine player, but unfortunately, injury sort of took its toll a bit on uh, Paul Pios uh, during his career. Of course, a uh, part of the inaugural West Coast Eagles uh, squad back in 1987. Now doing some good things as a player manager. We're going to take uh, a short break and then come back and talk a bit of rugby. Just going back to football, of course, there is a big match happening on the weekend. We have got the Sydney-Collingwood game that everybody is talking about. Okay, there's been a lot of speculation on uh, Friday night regarding Geelong and Brisbane, and particularly the fact that Jared Berry, the midfielder for the Lions, uh, escaped the AFL tribunal sanction last night and is free to play. In fact, his midfield teammate and one of the Brownlow medal fancies, uh, Lockie Neal, said this on Jared Berry getting off. Yeah, that's great. Great news. And um, I, I sort of tried to follow a little bit of the case and heard some people um, saying that when he's in that vulnerable position that it would be so hard to tell sort of what he was doing at that moment. So... Completely agree and, um, yeah, think that the right decision was made. So really happy for Jared um, and for us. So, yeah, that's great news. That's Lockie Neal. This is Patrick Dangerfield who will come up against Barry, uh, being, of course, uh, a cat star. And this is what he said on Barry's suspension being overturned. Yeah, it didn't surprise me. It's a tough one. I mean, you're on the ground. You're trying to get up. I don't. It's very difficult to sort of get your fingers in there and just jab up. I think you're just trying all you can to get back in the play, you know, as a player, if, if, you know, Jared had that job that he's, he's starting to get under the skin of Clayton and, and Clayton's better off, you know, if you're Brisbane, you're like, well, prefer him in, in a wrestle than focusing on the ball. So yeah, it didn't surprise me. I think, you know, in that scenario, you're just trying to get up, you're doing everything you can. And that doesn't mean that you're aiming for the eyes, but you're trying to push him off. And there's Patrick Dangerfield. He's spent on it all. We'll take a break, come back with more in a moment. Uh, this is Drive with Peter Vlahos. You can join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55.